feel free to like like put a, like a sick beat drop on this <laughs> and use it as like your intro. Standers, welcome back to the Standing Desk Podcast. We got episode 56 coming through your earwaves right now. What's good, Daniel? My earwaves are buzzing. Let me tell you that. Earwaves? What's the term? Nope. Nope. It. I believe it is sound waves through your eardrum. Mm. <laughs> earwaves <laughs> are like when you wiggle your ears, I think. Just the ridges in your ear. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, we got a great episode for you, as we always do. Uh, we're going to be talking about milk. We're going to be talking about my most polarizing take of the year. Ever. Or maybe just maybe just the week. Uh, we're going to be talking about Steve Jobs, Birkenstocks. We're going to be talking about Sydney Sweeney's controversial uh, photo shoot. We're going to be talking about Victor Wembanyama. We're going to be talking about Tucker Carlson. And much more. Oh, and stick around for our first ever exclusive interview, unrivaled audio content with one of Dan's coworkers. It's more of a long form interview. But it's, uh, yeah, it's our, we're testing something out new for for Icebreaker. So curious to get everyone's thoughts, feelings, reactions on it. Let us know on Instagram at Standing Desk Pod. Or Twitter. Or Twitter. Uh, All right, Dan, you want to jump in with milk? (laughs) I sure do, Ben. So I was... I don't even know how I came across this. I'm not going to lie. I think that sometimes these things just find me. (laughs) So, Ben, are you familiar with uh, popular meal service HelloFresh? I sure am. Golly gee, isn't that convenient? One of the, you can just order meals and they'll just come straight to your door. Those are the ones you make, right? I think so. Yeah, they just give you ingredients. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so one of the ingredients that they've been using regularly in their meal kits is coconut milk. Okay. Okay. Everyone's favorite non-almond, non-milk alternative. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Non-almond, non-rice, non-oat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's it's a top three milk alternative and it's not one or two. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so this is something I didn't know was even in the realm of possibility in the world. HelloFresh has recently come under fire by PETA <laughs> because... The coconut milk that they are using was obtained by monkey labor. Folks, this is these earwaves are hitting you right. (laughs) In there are apparently like factories in Thailand where they use monkeys to create coconut milk. Like they have them doing the manual labor. Brother. (laughs) That has to be the most backwards, obscene thing I've ever heard in my life. I feel like there are, there are worse things we do to animals. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We just make up on animals. I feel like them opening a coconut is just kind of cute. They chain them up oh. in a factory. <laughs> it's not just one little monkey that cracks a few coconuts and goes home. This guy, these little monkeys are driving Honda Accords to the factory, saying bye to their wives and kids, and using their hard-earned time to crack open coconuts and make coconut milk. These guys probably don't even get a 401k. Dude, probably not. They're punching in, punching out, working overtime, not getting good workers comp. The the, the monkeys need to unionize. That's what's going Dude, on here. That has got to be one of the craziest things I've ever heard in my life. What kind of unconscionable act or what happens in your life to lead you to the point saying, I'm going to open a monkey coconut milk factory? <laughs> what kind of weird, Bro. messed up person you got to be to do that? Yeah, this sounds like what? the plot of a Dr. Seuss book. Yeah, the five cent an hour labor in China just isn't cut. <laughs> it's really impacting the bottom line. I want one bushel of bananas to cover the entire line. <laughs> and they're not going to be organic, all right? Oh, they're not going to be Chiquita. They're going to be the, the off-brand. Unbelievable. Some people in this world, man, are just so demented. I cannot get it. That is the most unbelievable thing on Earth. What kind of monkeys? Cute. Are they I'm like? Sure, I can guarantee gorillas? you, if it was like, no, if it was gorillas, that would have been a very fast worker strike. That would have been over very quickly. Oh, no, so do they like, have like tools, or are they just like throwing, like knocking a coconut against the wall? I need to know the the procedure here. 
I mean, I they they didn't give me any schematics on how the factory works, but <laughs> no I just diagrams. know there's a lot of factories and a bunch of chained up monkeys. God, what? Oh, just so sad, man. That is sad. But also kind of cute still. <laughs> no, it's not. You would open a monkey banana fact or monkey coconut milk factory. It is I, the monkey a heartbeat, man. A heartbeat, you would do that. <laughs> Wow. So I thought I would bless the pod with my most polarizing take of all time. I'm ready to say it, man. I don't care who jaws in my ear. Shake Shack is better than in uh, It's not even a question. Are you saying this because there was that that TikTok of like, was it, who was it like Kevin Gates saying or like, was it Rod Wave saying that Shake Shack is better than You know I'm not on TikTok, bro. Oh, that's of true. course that's not the reason. That's I just true. had it the other day. I have one right by my house. I've talked about this on the pod. In-N-Out's 20-minute drive, so maybe it's recency bias, but I don't think it is. In-N-Out tastes, it tastes, the quality's gone down, for sure. Okay. Shake Shack tastes like a real burger. It tastes like I'm at a restaurant, which may, maybe you could I say can... Shake Shack is a restaurant. It's like, it's not a drive-through. That's true. It's fast casual. It's higher. It's, it's just higher quality. You look at the meat and it feels, it looks like a, like, I, I could have made that patty in a good way. You know what I'm saying? Right. And I don't know. I, I feel like in and outs reputation is just carrying it at this point. I, I don't think they're better. I think it's also the price point, though. I mean, Shake Shack a, is yeah. so expensive. It's true. But pound for pound, you're getting a burger. You're getting a double-double at either restaurant. Shake Shack's way better. If, if I'm going off... If, if if money was not an object for me, I would go to Shake Shack 10 out of 10 times. I think a lot of people think In-N-Out's better, just quality. Yeah, that's not true. It's just wrong. It's my, just- my, my polarizing opinion is that I like In-N-Out's fries more than I like Shake Shack's fries. Okay. A lot of people hate on the In-N-Out fry. I'm a big fan. It's simple, but They're significant. Fine. They've gotten too salty over the years. I don't know what's up with that. We can't get we can't let big sodium keep getting away from this. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> We're, we've got our eyes amazing. on you, Morton Salt. You know, here's the thing that I've always felt about in, in and out Their lettuce is disgusting, bro. Their lettuce is like something about it's always soggy and like really flimsy. It's like like wet paper on a burger. And Shake Shack's lettuce is like real lettuce. It looks almost cartoonish how lettuce-y it is. Like, like a like plastic lettuce. I like my lettuce looking like lettuce. You want it looking crisp. I want to look crispy. Maybe it's because I don't know. I don't. I wonder why that is. You know, what I'm talking. I've, about? I've never. I've never really noticed that. It's disgusting. Because I, I, I just. I just get my burger and I'm in it. I. I. I'm not thinking more than half a second about it. I'm in it. Yeah. 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 That's fair. Following up on our next topic, uh, I'm going just the route of depression today. But this has got to be the most unbelievable story. Maybe this is something that's uh, more widely known in, in our audience. But this was brand new information to me. So uh, probably five, six years ago, there was a woman that was hired uh, for a game show uh, or game show, reality show, whatever you want to call it. Think kind of like a pranking show back when pranking was all the rage. Right. Her whole thing was like these these producers hired her and they set her out in public with like either like I think it was ketchup or like baby oil. And she would go up to people and wipe it on their face and run away. And it was like the funniest thing ever. They were filming her epic prank, epic prank moment. Yeah, they, they they had her doing this for about a year. They were paying her and, you know, re- supposedly recording her doing all of this uh, stuff. Uh, and she was like, great, this is how I'm making my living. I'm part of a TV show. <laughs> One day they were filming the show, uh, filming the show, quote unquote. And they said, hey, take the baby oil. Go to that guy over there. Oh, normally okay. she's like, she's like, oh, OK, like, this is fine. Uh, like, normally they don't tell me to, like, you know do it to specific people. I usually just kind of do whatever, but you know, whatever. So she goes up, rubs the baby oil on the guy's face. Ah, it's all crazy. And then he collapses and is later dead. A that person. Insane. And it was Qasem Soleimani. <laughs> no, it, the person was Kim Jong-nam. The person was Kim Jong-un's like half-brother, I think. Oh, are you serious? Yes. It was oh. his half-brother. They gave her, instead of baby oil this one time, they gave her a poisonous oil to rub on his face that assassinated him. No fucking way. I'm just kidding. That is the way that 
Kim Jong Un's half brother was assassinated because an in like I think it was a Malaysian woman was hired for like a year to pretend to they were not filming her this whole time to rub baby oil and then one day it was a long con it was the longest con of all time that is amazing dude that has to be the craziest thing I have ever heard that's worked in my life like how did that work that's hilarious like growing up you you see all these like shows and movies about secret agents and spies and you're like oh this is so cool like you're in the action hand in combat and what they're really doing is just creating fake <laughs> prank shows yeah yeah just, that's insane it was, it was like in the middle of like uh the malaysian airport she rubbed a nerve agent on his face and killed him <laughs> are you sure this is real this is reported by cnn this is that's... legitimately what happened when did this happen 2017 and no one knew it i didn't know about this I, I this was the first time I've ever heard of it. I'm sure, it was a secret op or something. It's something. I mean, it's like this has to be up there with one of the craziest assassinations of all time, next to like the pure coincidence of like Franz Ferdinand. <laughs> Dude, that's insane. I cannot believe that. This is me sharing human history with you all. This is my my mind was blown. We are all witness. We are a witness. So I I've some. I, I I saw something that rivals your uh, your monkey coconut controversy. So uh, Sydney Sweeney, I don't know if you heard, is under fire right now from no other than the ballet community. No, she took uh, she did like a fashion photo shoot, <clears throat> and some of them are dance inspired. So I'll show you. She's in like uh, tutu sure. and like has frills and she has point shoes on and she's in like the point stance or whatever. Sure. She looks like a, ba- a ballet dancer and uh, they're up in arms because apparently she didn't tie the shoes right. And she, people think there's a ghost beam that was edited out and she's like a, a fraud for faking the stance, which of course she is. And uh, so people are just furious on TikTok and Twitter there's a whole article about it. So someone says, no hate to Sydney. Love that girl. This was a stylist or a creative director that really said, let's give the internet something to talk about. Um, No. No one's talking about this. It's just you. It's just like 30 people. There are monkeys making coconut milk in Thailand, and we're getting upset because she didn't tie her shoes right? Bro, it, are, are you kidding? Like... What the hell, bro? I feel like we're just looking for something to talk about. Bro, like misappropriating culture. Very understandable. Yeah, call her out. Bro, ballet core? Yeah. Talk about appropriating ballet core? You're, these that's people are going to lose their minds when they find out that photo editing is a whole profession. <laughs> Wait, are you telling me that he wasn't actually flying in the air? In that Chris Angel, no, in Chris that Angel time? was. But everyone else is not. Are you telling me that the Avengers, none of that was real? That that might not be true. That's pretty offensive to superhero culture. Hey, Mark Ruffalo doesn't actually turn big and green. (laughs) That's that's an offense to every green. The Jolly Green Giant was going crazy on Twitter earlier about that. All right. That's Uh, that. Anyway, I just had to get that off my chest. It is remarkable. It's incredible. And then my last thing, maybe the uh, second most wild thing to happen this week. Someone, an anonymous individual, bought Steve Jobs, his used Birkenstocks, for $218,000. Yep. They sold on November 13th, his personal Birkenstocks. They were estimated to sell for $80,000. They sold for over $200,000. They're very worn, by the way. They're cut. For sure. And someone someone bought those. A fifth of a milli. Yeah. That I mean, you know that person's also buying the latest iPhone every year. Do you think do you think this is like a foot fetish thing? Or do you think they love I, Steve Jobs? I think they just love Steve Jobs that much. Do you, it's either what, that or this is going to be an absolutely elaborate like money laundering or tax evasion scheme. <laughs> this person is going to buy them for $218,000, donate them to a, like an Apple museum somewhere and get a $218,000 write-off. Is there anyone you would spend even close to that much money on for no. like one of their, their items? 
that they personally wore? No. LeBron James sock that he wore in game seven of the 2012 NBA finals. I would buy his like two or three times used pair of basketball shoes if they were historically significant. Sure. What's the max no. you'd, you'd spend? At my current level of wealth? Yeah. 500 bucks. <laughs> Let's say you had a million dollars to your name. 10 grand. Okay. $218,000 is disgusting. That is a house. You should, you should have to give half, like a fifth of that to chasing down coconut monkey factories or some, some cause. If I'm the IRS, I am wagging my tail seeing someone do that. I'm like, there, you know something <laughs> weird's going on over here. We got to go check this guy out. We just got 78,000 new agents this year. Yeah, go get them, boys. Maybe this is just a ploy by Joe Biden, man. He's just he's just uh, testing his, his newly minted IRS agents. True. He's dangling this little bait out and see, seeing if they catch it. So yeah, I will. I will mention that these were the Birkenstock Arizonas. So that is probably the best thing that Arizona's done in the last thirty years. That's right. Uh, okay, I think that's all we got for this um, this grab bag. We'll be right back with the uh, exclusive interview. And welcome back to Icebreaker. It's everybody's favorite segment of the show where we call upon one random uh, civilian. Ask them some questions about life, society, politics, uh, all of the above. Uh, but we're doing it a little different this week. Today, we have on a very special guest. Uh, this is not a random call. This is premeditated uh, <laughs> podcast murder that we're doing right here. Oh. Where, uh, our, my, my good buddy, Siobhan, is going to be answering some questions for us in a more formal interview format to get to know him as a person. So, Siobhan, welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you for having me, Dan. Thank you. And Ben, it's a pleasure. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, we're getting professional here with the whole embedded into Zoom thing. A little, a little crispier than just yeah. a speaker microphone. Yeah, this is my Guy Raz moment right here. <laughs> I'm excited. The, the big thing is, normally my mic is off camera, and it's amazing to have it on camera. At the same it feels more official when it's, it's like full format. Yeah, there you go. Like Joe, Joe Rogan, we're coming for you, buddy. We're coming for you. You better believe it. Well, and it's funny because our our CEO has a microphone. Like he has a full studio setup whenever he gets on a call. Like he is unabashed in his setup and the way it looks. So it's pretty. He literally, great. Dan. I don't know if you know. He has the same fucking microphone. Am I allowed to curse on here? Yeah, sure, you can do sure, whatever, whatever you want. Um, so he has the same fucking microphone, and that's where I got. Oh, funny. This one. So it literally, <laughs> there's like literally two of us that have the microphone. Wow. I'm going to need a few more promotions before I start getting up to that microphone level, but I'll, I'll be working yeah, on it. There you go. Love it. <laughs> a quick Amazon $50 hitter. But, uh, oh, man. <laughs> Dang, it sounds like good for 50 bucks. What am I doing? Yeah. Anyway, so, Chavong, how do you know me? How, what is our relationship? Um, Dan, well, I hired your ass. You, you know? sure did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I hired you. I think, uh, jokes aside, uh, I, uh, I had the opportunity to build a department in my career here in the accounting side and uh, came across you and felt like you fit a big, big need in our department. And you were fortunate enough to have some swagger and some personality and some intelligence and all that kind of culminated into the perfect tire. So now <laughs> fast forward, what has it been? Six months, nine months, maybe a year? We're, we're a one month away from a year. Okay. So yeah, yeah. So right about a year and, and I'm not going to put words in your mouth, but hopefully it's been a good ride and it, uh, thank it you sure for has hard work and yeah, it's been fun, man. It's been fun. So, so I just have a quick disclaimer. Um, so if at any time you just feel comfortable with blinking twice, if, if Dan's holding a gun to your head, uh, <laughs> then, then just do that. I'll pick up on any signals. Yeah, you don't have to be saying anything nice about me, of course. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> nice, nice, good. Well, in so, that case, fuck Dan. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's the that's the unfiltered content we wanted right there. Oh no, no, man, no, no, no. I mean, at the, at the at the end of the day, we like we were releasing a new product, and Dan had the experience back in his former career to fit the void that we needed, and I think that was one of the biggest things. And plus, he's a cool fucking dude. Right. And that's not me showboating or saying anything nice. I mean, the guy's great. It's not too many people that you meet that you work with that you want to have a beer with. And that's Dan true. Checks that box. So, yeah, absolutely. I saw a couple blinks there. <laughs> <laughs> hey, now. Wait, it's just not on video, is it? It's, right? so... it's all being recorded. I'm going to be saving that one forever. That's great. 
Anyway, so we'll get a little bit more on the career side in a second here. Uh, but Shavong, you recently had a pretty major life change in which you moved across the country on over to this great state of Florida. I did. I did. So oh, there are 24. Yeah. yeah, there are lots of things about the state of Florida uh, that I think that people perceive. It's kind of the wild west of the east, if you will. Uh, and so I'm, we're here to, to bust some myths today. And Shavong, I want to know three little known fun facts about Florida that would surprise people about living there or being in the state. Oh, great. Okay. First and foremost, uh, you have to be comfortable with humidity. Mm -hmm. If you're not, just fuck off. There's just no point in you dealing with it. Second, you have to learn to appreciate your elders. The average age of Mm -hmm. the Largo citizen Mm -hmm. where I currently reside is 67 and a half. I don't even know where you get the fucking half from. But it's 67. My neighbor is 80. My other neighbor is 75. Um, That is crucial. Did you just say you're in Mar-a-Lago? No, no, Largo. Oh, (laughs) make sure that's clear. That's a a great clarification, Ben. Thank you. Uh, Definitely not Mar-a-Lago. Let's be clear. He's in one of the side houses. FBI just stormed into the room next to me. No, thanks. No, thanks. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's it's south of Clearwater. And the third thing I would say is learn to cook at home because mm. the food here blows. Really? Um, oh, yeah. Unless you're in St. Pete or Tampa, which, I mean, don't get me wrong. Those are your fun evening adventures, a good nighttime stroll, but you're not going to make do with them. learning how to cook on your own. What about Cuban food? Yeah. Is there like Cuban food around there? I feel like that's a big thing I hear in Florida. Cuban's a huge staple. So shout out to my folks at Columbia Restaurant in Ybor City. If you ever come down to Florida, you better take your ass to Columbia with a U, not like how this uh, country is spelled, Mm -hmm. but it is the best Cuban sandwich that you will have. They actually have one at the airport too, by the way. And is is the sandwich quality as good? It's actually really, really good. I would say the restaurant is... A little bit better, but you'll 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 make do with the the airport location too. The only Cuban sandwich I've had is in the uh, Miami airport, so I wonder if that's the one I went to. Oh, it wow. was dang. Can confirm. Top tier food, love so, it. So Cuban food is like one of the staples, especially in Miami, more so Ben. To your right. Point. But in Tampa, Cuban food is just amazing. And the best places to go are Hyde Park, which is a little suburban neighborhood right outside of the main downtown Tampa. Hyde Park and Ebor or Ybor. I still don't know how to pronounce it, but it's literally spelled Y-B-O-R. Sure. You go there, that is the kingdom of food in the area. Interesting. Huh. Mm -hmm. I've only ever spent time, I think, in Orlando. So I think I need to branch out a little bit in Florida. Orlando is mediocre at best more turkey oh, leg vibes yeah yeah, yeah. orlando's golf carts and conferences baby <laughs> yeah that's what it's all about so a little bit of follow-up so you know you've lived kind of west coast you li- you've lived east coast what do you think is the biggest difference between living on the two coasts that's a great question um i think for one me coming from california and mind you you have to understand the background i mean i was practically born and raised in california sure once i met my wife we moved out east and now we're in florida and my family's out east her family's out east so it's a better situation for us but the political vibe and some of the social vibes are quite 180 Mm -hmm. so i think to your point um i think it was a matter of just being a little bit more like okay don't say what the fuck all the time right <laughs> and, and and try to understand what people are going through you know mm-hmm. and, and oftentimes it's difficult man i mean like i don't every single time i read an article about florida man did this florida <laughs> woman did that and i'm like fuck man you know like my sister and my brother and my mom and dad are calling me like what are you doing and, yeah. and at the end of the day the biggest question i would say is with ian everything that happened we evacuated just trying to be cautious Mm-hmm. came back and folks at work and friends and family, they were like, what the hell are you doing in Florida? Are you ready to come back? And my number one response was, I'm not going to throw in the towel after one hurricane. Yeah. 
right. let alone two with Nicole. But sure, uh, we we we're like maybe by four or five we'll talk again. But yeah, yeah, after four or five, maybe we'll talk again. But for now, I'm I'm not putting the towel. So so I think for me it was a it was a big shift, but one that um, I'm always big on trying to grow and move forward as opposed to look backwards and rewind and say, yeah, you know what, life was better yesterday. Fuck that. I sure. think life is better tomorrow as long as you personify the right images and you figured it out right so to me uh i like it and no state income tax helps a fuck ton. that is very nice i I do, I do like that and so kind of with moving that's you know especially across the country that's one of the big life events that we have in life and i always kind of see life as a series of inflection points right from the audit perspective it's a flow chart you never there's you know a few decision trees that affect where we go with things so if you were to pick probably two key decision points in your life that are pivotal to you being where you are today, either physically being where you are in Florida, being where you are like in your career or being who you are as a person, what would you pick in your life as two of like the biggest ones? I think I may not have two, but I do have one astounding one that is I'll take it to me. So I remember I quit. Uh, oh man, I quit on Ju- June 12th. 2015. And that was when I quit my accounting life. Mm-hmm. I remember that Monday, my controller had no idea. He had no idea I was going to resign. I literally typed out some bullshit resignation notice because of my emotions were flaring. And I'm like, fuck accounting. I, I need to find something different. <laughs> and I'm 25 at the time. Mind you, sure. I feel like I'm invincible and blah, blah, right? <clears throat> so I remember, mind you, this was like my second father somebody that really influenced me was awesome and great guy. I mean, we threw back tons and tons of wine and beer and everything. Great guy. So I remember Monday morning after three years of working for him, print out a piece of paper. It was my resignation notice. And I said, this is happening that Monday. Not only did he hear me out, call the CFO and the CFO said, literally, I, I remember this. He like called his EA and he's like, cancel all my meetings today. And Monday morning, about 8.30, 9 a.m. Next call he made was, Siobhan, get your ass in my office. I said, okay, fuck. Came <laughs> in and he spent four hours trying to hypothesize what position I would like to pursue next. Hmm. And I I know it sounds like, hey, With- okay, cool. But sorry, go ahead, Ben. Sorry, within the company or anywhere else? So it was in a general conversation. It was more of, hey, what do you want to do? It started off more with me as a human. And then I turned out and I told him, I said, you know, like I did a major in accounting and finance. This is what I pursued. This is what I've been doing. And the path was for me to take your seat. But I humbly told him, I said, I don't know if I want that. And he knew this through conversations and social settings. And so he he took that and he said, well, okay, what do you want to do? And we literally started drafting out job titles in different departments on his whiteboard. And much of which, Ben, to your point, he said, well, if you want to go to sales, go to sales in our company. You know, I'll talk to the VP and we'll transfer you here. And for somebody at 25 that was so naive slash like kind of immature to have that experience, I didn't realize how valuable that was until years after. So Dan, when you say what led you to being to where you are today, I would 100% pinpoint all of my culmination of my experiences, everything that I've led to, to that moment. I mean, literally, this was a $300 million public company business where the CFO crossed off his Monday to deal with a schmuck like me at 25. You know, like, I mean, who the fuck does that? So, So that just, it let me know that, okay, maybe there's something that I have going on for me that I can dedicate to other avenues and and when he did tell me, to your point again, Ben, where should it be in the company or not? I said, I don't know if the grass is green or on the other side. Mm-hmm. And I have to take this gamble. And if I fail and I, and I desperately like just fall on my ass, then please, I hope there's a, a door waiting for me to walk through. But that ain't going to happen, dude. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. And here I am seven, eight years later and met my wife and hired Dan and here we are doing this podcast. So <laughs> exactly. So I think it was a good decision. Yeah. Yeah. That's Every really choice cool. in your life has led you to here. I just want you to think about that <laughs> on this podcast. Yeah, big time. Yeah. Literally, this is the culmination. I'm ready to die right after this. This is it. Life is good. <laughs> life thing. is good, buddy. So life is good. Um, so what was the next step after that meeting? What 
what, what was the next step in your career? So that is a very, very good follow-up question. Um, so the next day was actually, I would say the next few hours was when it started. Um, clock was ticking. I knew that I gave a five-week resignation notice, mainly for my stock options to vest in 50. <laughs> I'm going to say that's generous. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, I'm not an idiot. All right. So, <clears throat> so I said, okay, four and a half weeks or 4.9 weeks and whatever, I've got to start figuring out what else to do with my life. So I started going through my Rolodex, reached out to all my networks and auditing and accounting and Cal Poly and everything that I, everybody that I've ever met. And I actually did uh, for the first two nights, I didn't sleep a wink. I mean, I was shit scared. I was figuring out what's going on. And I remember I had a meeting the third day with a startup professional. He was an MBA in management consulting, started his own company, and he was in Sunnyvale at the Plug and Play Center, which is kind of like a tech startup incubator, if you will. And so we had lunch at his place. And he was telling me, he said, dude, you should get into sales. And at that point, I didn't know what sales meant. I thought sales was literally like car salesmen and shit like that, right? right. I'm like, dude, I'm accounting. I'm like, <laughs> fuck sales, you know? Like, I actually thought negative of sales. And so fast forward a few years, and I realized that the advice that he'd given me was more conducive to my own personality, to the person that I was, right? And when I was in accounting, I was like an asshole, dude, like... Uh, I was like, fuck you, fuck this, fuck that. And then maybe explain this to me a little bit more before I give you what you need. Right. That's not a way to live your life. You mm -hmm. know, like, I mean, Dan, I, you you probably felt similar experiences. Yep. Testing other people's work and telling them that they're wrong. I mean, at I mean, the prime age of 23 years old. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, so I just, I, I thought it was uh, not a profession that was indicative of who I am, my personality, my, my, my swagger, if you will. So, <laughs> yeah. 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 So you, you both have kind of worked in, in a job where it's more head down grinding, whether that be accounting or like internal processes. Now that you've both shifted to more of the sales side, have you seen like a change in um, your relationship with work and like your, your spirit in work because you're more, you're, you're directly interacting with people rather than, staring at your computer, working on a spreadsheet or a flow chart or what have you. You want to take that it. first, Dan? Or, or <laughs> sure, I'll, I'll, take, I'll take it first. Um, it's interesting because I think in both this job and my prior job, there's a part of me that's very addicted to the grind. Like I really like putting my head down and like working. I think just the type of work now is more conducive to like, kind of like Siobhan was saying, like to my swagger and to like my personality where instead mm -hmm. of, I'm now going to sit down and test 25 reconciliation controls. It's going to be, I'm now going to take a look at these relationships I'm building through like these deals that I'm working. I get to figure out, okay, what's the best way to approach this? How can I get this person comfortable with this concept of our software? Or I have the product team coming to me asking for designs and I get really excited about it. Cause I'm like, this is something that could like be used by a Dan, you know, later on. And, you know, mm -hmm. once this is bigger or something like that. So I'm more invigorated and motivated, I think, now by excitement for the work I'm doing, as opposed to fear that I'm not going to get it done in time and that it's going to be awful and someone's not going to file their 10K on time or something like that. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I mean, I think uh, <clears throat> I'll take it a maybe one other perspective. And uh, while I agree with everything that Dan said, I think just given my tenure, I think uh, for me, that was very much the case for the first three, four or five years. And Dan, I, I hope you don't mind me sharing. This is like literally the first time I'm sharing this perspective, but sure. um, I think for me, it was also the question of what's next becomes so much more prevalent in my day today than it's ever been before. Mm -hmm. uh, to give a little bit of context to the audience, when I said I hired Dan, um, I was part of the sales engineering team, which Dan is obviously a very fruitful part of that team. But I have since left that team and not in a negative way. It was to pursue another endeavor. It was to pursue something what I felt was a bit more strategic, something that would tickle another itch. I mean, it would it would give me another invigorating spirit. And I feel like the best companies or the best personal individuals always have to scratch that itch every three, four years, find mm -hmm. something new, do something different, challenge yourself, right? Go against the grain. And if you fucking fail, who the hell cares? 
And I think I was fortunate enough to be presented this opportunity as opposed to seek that opportunity. And I mm-hmm. think that's the big difference in today's day and age. Um, you know, just don't sit on your laurels, continue to pursue and try to find something new. Um, it just makes life that much more exciting. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that's kind of keys in pretty good to one of the follow-up questions I have. So Chavong, imagine it's seven years ago, your CFO has brought you into the office. We're going to sit you down and I want to ask you, what do you want to be when you grow up? Oh, fuck. <laughs> I have some inkling of some ideas, but I know, I know you've shared a few things with me in the past, but I'm, I'm interested to hear what that answer is now. A heroin dealer. Get them, boys. No. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Just to develop an army and passive income, baby. <laughs> um, uh, at the end, and maybe this is on your list. Dude, I've always, always... And still to this day, when I walk into one, I still have this feeling. I wanted to start a barbershop since I was. That's awesome, kid, dude. Like I used to cut hair in Cal Poly. I remember shout out to Elon Ben Oni. He's in Israel right now as a CTO. And that man was awesome. He designed my first flyer. We went around in the evening one time at Cal Poly campus, stapled a bunch of fucking flyers. Dude, I have like 20, 30 people hitting me up the next day. I would line up and I do fades and all this stuff. Sometimes you could pay me a non-monetary reward such as, but (laughs) at the end of the day, it was okay. It was just a family and a welcoming environment. And uh, dude, he gave me so much passion, bro. Mm -hmm. That and uh, making sandwiches at Togo's. But I think the Togo's (laughs) thing was just a little economic. (laughs) Baby. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, great. that was always my passion, man. So, I mean, my wife and I, we always joke. Uh, we were actually funny enough. I was telling them about this podcast, and she asked me, She goes, Are you going to tell them about when we're going to move to Bali and start your own barbershop? And all this <laughs> stuff? And I, I said, Maybe, yeah, yeah. and here we, are. we, we got there. It. That was the goal. Yeah, so there you Mission go. Accomplished. So that was a good question. Awesome. Yeah. That's great. And so, uh, this is going to be my final question for you, Siobhan. Uh, you have a choice to talk to Shavong either from 10 years ago or Shavong 10 years from now. Which one do you choose and what do you ask him? Fuck, that is, I don't know where the hell you come up with this shit, but that's <laughs> a great fucking question. Yeah. I would say 10 years ago with the knowledge of what I know today. Mm-hmm. Meaning, uh, dude, don't just fuck around. I mean, I think that's like what we all say, but at the end of the day, like, I think my biggest regret is I always wanted to go to NYU, dude. Like, mm. NYU Stern was a big, big hope of mine. I wanted to be on Wall Street, and I was too chicken shit to apply. <clears throat> so if this if this was something that I would go back ten years ago, and actually fifteen, seventeen years ago when I applied. But I would go back and I'd apply to NYU because at the end of the day, like it's not the assumption in my mind that I believe to be true. It's what I can achieve through hard work. Right. And mm-hmm. I mean, um, I was my own critic and I sold myself short. Right. So sure. I think that's one thing that I it's always bugged me. But again, look at today. I give two fucks. I right. Yeah, yeah. I I would definitely say you you ended up pretty, pretty all right there, even if you are a Raiders fan. <laughs> Oh, oh fuck. I didn't know that was global coming in. Oh, fucker, dude. I was uh, waiting for the Suns or something, but you hit me with the Raiders <laughs> two and seven. I think my fantasy record is better than my Raiders record, which is sad. That's tough. Yeah, Shavong and I are in the same fantasy league together, and it's it's hard, man. It's 16 teams. It's tough. Although I did get on the leaderboard this week for the first time ever, which is you sure did. Three. That's huge. Anyway, yeah. awesome. Who gives the better fade, Derek Carr or Shavong with the trimmers? Ooh. That's a fucking solid. That I would say Shavon with Shavon with. Yeah, I, I'll put my vote there too. <laughs> oh, that's my. I mean, it's great to have Adams, but uh, apparently, it's not doing much. Not doing enough. <laughs> yeah, maybe next season. You know, Raiders got him next year. We'll see. We'll see. Great. Well, Shavon, it was a pleasure having you on the podcast today. We really appreciate your time and the answers you gave. Uh, for our listeners out there. Connect with Shavong on LinkedIn. Uh, no. <laughs> uh, but also well, let us actually, know. Uh, don't. Uh, yeah, don't. Yeah, after this one, maybe you don't yeah, want yeah, to. They're, but <laughs> They're more important than me. So. Oh, man. But let us know if you want to hear more of this format. We'll bring on some more uh, guests, maybe not as exciting as Shavong, but some hopefully equally great talent. So again, Shavong, thank you very much. We appreciate you uh, being on the pod. Right on. Thank Thanks you for having me. Thank you. And welcome back to Cooler Talk. Yeah, that is right. Not only is it everyone's favorite segment of the show, but this is coming immediately after our long-form interview uh, with Shavong. Hope you guys enjoyed that. 
And now as we sit back and reflect on the lessons we've learned, let's enjoy (laughs) a nice beverage. So Ben, what kind of what kind of spicy delight do you have for us this week? The second week in a row, we're we're hitting the Sprite Mobile. We got Sprite Zero this time around. The Never diet Sprite, if you will. It could be good. It it, it kind of just seems like a sparkling water. It's zero, all zeros except for twenty five milligrams of sodium. So kind of a Pellegrino type beat. Okay. Uh, you know, traditional lemon lime flavored. Smells like lemon lime Pellegrino. Lobby. Whoa. Whoa. It's like sweet. It it's probably like the, all the aspartame in there. Bro. It tastes like Sprite. <laughs> did, did you get that? It what does like it taste Sprite. like? Lobby. Well, I'll be. How, it does have aspartame. How does aspartame not have any sugar? So, I mean, it it's like a outside substance that technically has few enough calories in it to where the FDA does not require you to count it as calories. So all diet sodas really technically have like two calories in it or something like that, but it's not close enough to like five to where they have to count it. And if it's not a calorie, it doesn't need to count as sugar. Correct. Because there wouldn't be any, because sugar is technically equated to calories and they wouldn't have to count or they'd have to count it then, I think. So it's good for, it's like a Sprite. It's like a healthier Sprite. Uh, it tastes like a Fresca. Have you ever had a Fresca? We like a good Fresca. Yeah, yeah. A good Fresca moment. Uh, but here's my thing with Sprites, which I didn't think about until just now. I don't understand the point of Sprite. Okay. <laughs> like, especially like normal flavored lemon lime Sprite. If you want, there's no caffeine in Sprite. Correct. So it's not going to give you energy except maybe a little sugar rush. A little sugar rush. Two minutes. Uh, It's not like the best thing in the world. It also isn't good for you. Like you might as well just have a sparkling water. So why are you like, why am I drinking this? People do heroin. (laughs) Because it's good for you. (laughs) I mean, I think people just love the sugary delightfulness of that. The only way you can probably replicate that flavor is getting a key lime LaCroix and adding Splenda. (laughs) <laughs> that's gross i just don't like the um i might try that next week artificial sweetener flavor fair change their own i'll give it um six eight wow lower than i was expecting well that brings me to my drink uh this is one of those instances well one we're bringing back an old time favorite of mine uh for those of you that have been long time fans of the pod you know that i did a lengthy review of the suja organic uh wellness shots uh you guys would believe this but they actually have juices as well so I saw this when I was browsing the aisles and I was like, that one looks bad. That one looks all right. That one looks good. And so I decided to go with the one that looked bad. Um, I've never had beet juice before. <laughs> Today we'll change that. Uh, this is the Suja Organic Cold Pressed Sweet Beets Juice, which includes apples, carrots, bananas, oranges, and, and beets. Of course. <laughs> paired with pineapple, lemon, and turmeric. I feel like you've had this, bro. No, I have never had anything that is beet flavored in my life. No. Um, it has two grams of protein in it, so good for the gains. It's a beet uh, type beet. Beet type beet. 25 grams of sugar in this, no aspartame. I'm terrified. I'm horrified. But alas, I, I do it for the pod. Beet juice? That smells so weird. I can't describe what I'm... I mean, it smells like just a... It, I mean, it smells like a mishmash of fruit. Is a beet like yam adjacent? No, I don't think so. I mean, it's... Kind of looks some no no it's I think it's closer to an onion isn't it technically I have no clue yeah I think it's closest related to an onion this smells weird but I'm just gonna I I can't I, it smells like a Jamba juice it sounds like an off brand Jamba juice okay there we go yeah let's get a taste pass scores why am I getting celery out of this <laughs> all those good immunity drinks always have celery in them for no reason just toss it in there. Dude, this is like you took the leaves of all of these different fruits and blended those instead. It's not like bad. That's disgusting. It's not good. This is like a five six. Okay. Maybe a five four. Uh I'm after this last yeah, five four. Yeah. That was still your highest of all the suja beverages. Sure. This one didn't make me want to die when I was trying <laughs> to swallow it. None of them cracked the, the five, except for that one. Impressive. Good job, Suja. You made something that's only mildly awful. All right, Dan. So we've talked about streaming platforms before on the pod. Too many times. There's so many of them now. You got Peacock, HBO Max, 
Disney Plus, Apple TV. Uh, do you par? Do you by chance have Paramount Plus? Uh, I got a free trial of it for last year's Super Bowl, so I could stream it. Got and it. then I forgot okay. to cancel it for a month, Oof. and then I had canceled it. So okay, so didn't stick around for long. Well, they're they're clearly struggling because they've got some ads here in Los Angeles. Oh. They had they had one in the parking garage of the Grove, and uh, I, I don't know if it's the most effective ad I've ever seen. So the bottom tagline is a mountain of entertainment i thought it was avalanche which actually oh because they have the mountain logo yeah i guess it makes sense a mountain of entertainment and they have three tv shows that they're highlighting oh no what do you what are your guesses dude what even is on paramount plus yeah i know okay i know it'll be hard to guess so i'll just i'll just reel them off to you first one halo halo tv of course Okay. Um. Everyone loves the Halo TV show. Yeah, it's my favorite part about Halo. I hate playing it. I just want to watch it, but not video game content. I want the. Yeah. <laughs> the second one is Star Trek Picard. Of oh, course. of course! A clock. Another everyone, branch off. Everyone loves the TV show. No one likes the movies. No. Everyone likes Picard. Yeah. Uh, and finally, to round out the uh, the Holy Trinity, we have. None other than iCarly. Of course. Just a real Mount Vesuvius of entertainment, man. That's if that's all they got to offer. It's Russia right there. That's, you got you gotta shut it down. Like every like when you look at like all of the networks or like the streaming platforms and what they have to offer as like their original content, if you will, their their own IP. You have Netflix with all the worst dating shows you've ever seen, but somehow they're still very addicting. I see you've um, been watching Love is Blind. <laughs> just started the third season. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you have HBO with the Game of Thrones dragon, you know, House of the Dragon series. Yeah. Ben's not into it. I love it. I think well, it's top tier content. I can recognize it's good. Oh, uh, you even have things like, I don't know. Okay, Hulu doesn't have anything. Even yeah. Hulu has like some of the like classics sort of sure Pe- peacock even has the office yeah peacock has some names and then you go over to paramount plus and we're saying we turned the video game that's mm. kind of on its last legs we're on like the sixth installment of it it's kind of looking like the third one still and we want to make it a show oh amazon has the lord of the Rings series you hit us with halo there's a better of all of these shows on a different platform yeah, except maybe iCarly. Drake and Josh is on Hulu, so okay, so yeah, <laughs> it's just like like you like you said, each platform has at least three, at least three heaters, every single one. These are your top. Like this ad must have cost a good amount of money in the Grove to just sit there at the parking garage exit. Everyone's it's going to catch a lot of eyes. These are your top three. You're rolling out. Is your big three? There's gotta be a point in a board meeting where you're strategically sitting there and you're like all right guys we're not even like top five in streaming platforms i'm sure crunchyroll who has like all of the animes is doing way better than us so we're like seven or eight do we just do we just call it at what point are you okay with being a c-minus player in the landscape yeah if you're having your cash like the kids like that carly right <laughs> well we got a lot of money i mean paramount's been rolling in dough for years they're not they're not churning a loss anytime soon but they've got to be looking at the financials and seeing all right we made 213 million here 10 million profit here and then paramount plus 43 per 43? 43% of our user base just didn't unsubscribe after the Super Bowl last year. It's going to be the same thing. Oh, actually, no, CBS doesn't have the Super Bowl this year, so I'm not stuck watching it on freaking Paramount+. Plus. Let's go. Let's let's talk about um, another platform that now costs money. Another platform that really costs money. So, ladies and gentlemen, we're here to talk about Twitter, but not in the way that we traditionally uh, would think of doing so. So, uh, people are essentially mocking Elon Musk at this point with making yeah. their accounts parody accounts or <laughs> you know paying for Twitter blue verifying as you know whoever and tweeting things out. My favorite instance of this occurring was the account Eli Lilly and Company, 
Mm -hmm. Uh, They are a pharmaceutical company, uh, Big Pharma. We we love Big Pharma. Um, And they... (laughs) Uh, this person created an account, bought Twitter Blue for eight whole dollars, and said, "We are excited to announce insulin is free now." In the following hours, Eli Lilly and Company, a publicly traded company, lost twelve dollars off their stock price. They lost, which was for a company like Eli Lilly and yeah. Company, they have a market cap of three hundred and twenty-eight billion dollars. Three and a, like three and a third percent for them is in the B's of billions. Yeah, it's insane. That is the that is the number one prank we've talked about on this this show Ever. today of all time. That has to be. The, I I've, I think I've said this four times so far on the show throughout our fifty six episodes. This is the final form of capitalism. <laughs> Just pranking your opponents, pranking the <laughs> other people in the market into oblivion. It's so good. I cannot believe that Twitter has, in the span of two weeks, turned into just the Wild West. There There's no another one. It was anymore. like it was like Northrop Grumman. It was like a fake one, and it was like we've stopped sending missiles to Syria, and it was like their stock went down. They were they weren't related. It was it was correlation, not causation. But my my favorite fake one was. Um, an impersonator of the banana brand Chiquita, which got a shout out earlier on the pod somehow. Uh, someone tweeted, we've just overthrown the government of Brazil. Oh, yeah. And then the real Chiquita account says, we apologize to those who have been served a misleading message from a fake Chiquita account. We have not overthrown a government since 1954. And you do some digging, and that they, actually happened. Yeah. like In a very roundabout way, they like lobbied the u.s to overthrow the um the basically like pro-labor president who just won their election so that like a more authoritarian leader would would take place and give them more favorable business practices a banana republic if you'll say hey how long you got that one cooking up enough 38 seconds god damn been waiting for it banana bread i've ever seen hey yo Yeah, so that's that's our spiel on Twitter. That's all we're getting into on it tonight. But golly, I'm not overthrowing gee. the government. <laughs> yeah, speaking of overthrowing the government, uh, Tucker Carlson uh, is on television every now and then. Yeah, we're we're just getting out of election season. Uh, there was a few upsets this year. Uh, we're not going to get into how positive or negative that is for the country, uh, but there was a massive upset in the great state of Pennsylvania. Uh, John Fetterman, he uh, stroke survivor blue collar guy out of uh, Carhartt King Carhartt King mm-hmm. uh, won, won the Senate seat over there in the great state of Pennsylvania and people were not happy about it. He beat out a very tough opponent. A lot of years in uh, politics, uh, Dr. Oz. Uh, <laughs> Everyone's who, favorite doctor. <laughs> yeah. Dr. Oz probably like sweet beats by Suja. Um, <laughs> and Tucker Carlson then decided not to question the validity of Mr. Fetterman's platform. He decided to, question the validity of him as a human being Mm. so uh there is so obviously john fetterman had a stroke he had to learn to redo he had to you know learn to do a lot of basic bodily things again Mm -hmm. uh one of the things is that he had to have something like assist him with like reading and uh, understanding what other people were saying so that he could speak effectively and then tucker took this and usain bolt style ran with it he just posed (laughs) the question at what point does the robot feed him, stop feeding him information and John Fetterman's own consciousness begin? Mm. At what point does the robot start putting out information for him to read and he just is a kind of a parrot for it? Apparently, Tucker Carlson has never used a teleprompter in his life, <laughs> which is dictating all of the words that he's actually saying on television. Oh no, this ma- this makes sense. I think what he was getting at is like, the vaccine puts a puts a robot in your arm, like microchip mm. in your arm that can like control your thoughts and kind of brainwash you, indoctrinate you in a way. And so I think that's kind of what he was was what he was getting at, which is a valid point. Sure. I mean, he quite literally said, where does the robot end and John Fetterman begin? In other news, the pot calls the kettle black. <laughs> I love it because like 
He would be like the 6'8 cyborg that would just like destroy Tucker. <laughs> it would be like the Terminator. Yeah. Oh, can you imagine? He is a hulking individual. If you have never seen actual images of him, he he's looks gigantic. like Kingpin from like the animated Spider-Man movie. No, I mean, yeah, just yeah. all shoulders. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's a fridge. Yeah. He's sure. quite literally. I mean, he is what you would expect out of a like just Pennsylvania blue collar Carhartt man. I mean, he's yeah. gigantic. Yeah. So, that's wild that is yeah. wild that is just so wrong on so many levels yeah. like we finally get a guy that's like just a good story you know sure he's a little brain foggy sometimes that's just the way it is for a guy that's recovering from a stroke he seems he like he wants stroke. to do right yeah he says he wants to do right by the, the the people looks like he actually does and his opponent is dr oz the third option when it comes to daytime television <laughs> You're a bronze medal behind Oprah and Dr. Phil, man. For real. It's time to let it even... No, you're fourth place. You're not even podium. The view's also on during the day. For real. For take, real. A, take a seat, Mr. Oz. That is wild. I mean, Tucker literally has an earpiece in his ear. He has someone talking talking to him. And yeah. He, no. he, like, he couldn't get to be more of a parody. That's it's just SNL level. At what point does Tucker Carlson end... And the teleprompter begin. I would like to question Panasonic. They're the real overlords here. And my associate producer is quitting. I don't know. That was like an Obama Tucker <laughs> mashup. My associate producer is quitting. That was the worst uh, two worst Obama impressions you'll hear all all year. So you're welcome. Let's let's talk about a uh, a prodigy, Victor Wembanyama. We haven't talked basketball in a while, so I think we are due for for a little little basketball analysis. So, Victor, for that, I'm sure everyone knows at this point. You, hey, credit where credits due. Honestly, I've been meaning to give you credit for this for a while. You showed me Victor way before it was mainstream. You knew Ain't about this the guy a long time ago. So, uh, kudos to you. But um, so this guy, it's like seven foot two, right? Seven foot four i think he's seven four yeah he's seven four he's a he's a skinny guy but whatever he's like so he's seven four but he can or he has ball handling skills like a point guard like he's like he's six feet tall um he can shoot the lights out from three from post whatever he can also block shots obviously he has like 10 foot long wingspan he is the biggest prospect since lebron james arguably bigger than him uh i think richard jefferson said if they were both in the draft at the same time in 2003 i think that was uh yeah when ben yama would would go before lebron um, he's like if chris Stapps porzingis was good <laughs> yeah exactly yeah so obviously he's very highly coveted a lot of people are tanking for him uh and in the running to get him with the number one pick so i have a little trade proposition Dan to to analyze so right now as because of the Anthony Davis trade between the Pelicans and the Lakers the Pelicans own the Lakers first round pick yep back in the day it seemed like a really good deal everyone thought okay they have LeBron and AD Lakers can't possibly like be a lottery pick now they're the worst team in the league or second worst they're down there Uh, And so the Pelicans could potentially have the number one pick after getting Zion with the number one pick and a bunch of other lottery picks. So here's my here's my proposition for you, Dan. I want to I want you to tell me if you like it or not. Pelicans send the Lakers Dyson Daniels or Kira Lewis. Either way, Uh, Jackson Hayes center. Not not great anymore. Brandon Ingram. The Lakers get Ingram back and Garrett Temple just to make the, the money work. Uh, and and the number one overall pick, so potentially Wemby, and they get LeBron. No, no for who? No for the Pels. Really? If I have the potential to keep the number one pick, but it's it's here's here's where it gets interesting. It's not a shirt. I think sure. the highest odds you can have are fourteen percent. Uh, yeah. If, if the worst, yeah. So if you have the worst. Record in the league, you have a fourteen percent chance at the at the number one pick. We've all seen. I think since they changed the rules around tanking, I don't think the worst record has ever gotten the first pick. So it's not a sure thing. Uh, so you could probably win a championship with LeBron, KD, McCollum, Valanciunas, 
And then all of their other pieces, uh, you have Trey Murphy, Jose Alvarado's uh, impact guy. Um, so they have a lot of talent. And the Lakers can rebuild around all those guys. Sure. So they just get Brandon Ingram back. <laughs> yeah. And he's better. He's actually good now. And they get potentially Wemby. And like if Wemby doesn't work out for the Lakers, like they don't, if they don't get Wemby in the end, uh, then they still have Ingram. And like Dyson Daniels slash Kira Lewis, they're both solid, potentially mm-hmm. like a, then another solid pick. Here's my thought. They get their pick back, essentially. It, this is like the a very interesting debate question of do you mortgage everything to get one championship or do you trust that your team that you're building right now could win you multiple? Exactly. That's actually what got me thinking about this. I, I saw some tweet that was like, would you trade a championship for Wemby? Man, that's so tough. Like something I, that would be super awesome that if the Pelicans did this, I would trade that pick that could potentially turn into the number one. Well, I guess the Thunder are also at the... No, trade it to the Thunder. Get a host of picks back. Maybe also throw them Herb Jones and, I don't know, Kira oh, yeah, Lewis Jr. or something. And yeah. get back you know, a solid role player or something like that. And then just get a ton of draft capital. Build out that bench to be super deep with a bunch of younger or youngish guys, or trade those for like a savvy vet or something like that to build out the rest of your team. You got if you got Bingram and Zion on that roster for a long time, plus a super deep bench, ah, that's a team I I would stick with. And CJ McCollum. Yeah, I, I yeah that's a, I agree. That's I a roster I think could win a championship. I don't think they need Wendy. Like, yeah. I don't think it would really make sense for them, you know, like, because they would just have to build around him rather than Zion and Ingram. Um, but then it's like, are the Pelicans just going to keep being like a year away from being a year away? I mean, when are they actually going to make a run at this thing? They need they need like one more big piece, I think. Yeah. They I don't know like if LeBron's a- that piece. I just thought it was interesting. They need like a, an SGA or so. Like they need like a Darius Garland or something on that team. I know that would make them an elite championship contender. I don't know. I I don't I don't think I trade a championship. Actually, no, I do trade a championship for Wimby. What am I talking about? It's a ship. I see. I I don't know if I agree with that. I I feel like like as a Suns fan, I would rather. I just I would just rather win a ship, man. Like we've never had one. Maybe it depends on the franchise. We've ne- but you're. Your job is to win championships. Right. That That is like the where the value of your franchise comes from, unless you're the Dallas Cowboys. Um, so Wemby is not a sure thing. Right. I, That's, I feel like you know. everyone thinks he is. for. Some, it's kind of odd. Like there isn't enough pushback. Maybe it's just because it's not cool yet. But like he could easily get injured. Yeah. He could easily be the next Tashim to beat or whatever. Oh. I mean, he won't be, obviously. Yeah. But he could get injured. He could be the next D-Rose, whatever. Right. Uh, you know, hopefully not. But so, And your job is to win championship. So, I mean, but then you see it turns the Lakers into the Lakers. They mortgaged everything yeah. to get that one championship. Now they're toast for like the next six years. Is it worth it? I think if the expectation is there that you're only going to win one. Like the Raptors, almost. Sure. They didn't have to give up enough, but like they were, so, Toronto was so happy with just one. Oh, I think yeah. there were expectations in LA, which kind of fair that they were going to win probably two over yeah. the next five years. <clears throat> right. Cause it's, it's LeBron running. and AD. Yeah. I mean, everyone thought it was like a sure thing. They'd at least be in the finals every year. Right. <clears throat> but then they just blew up the roster and just did an awful job. <laughs> Do you have any. I know I'm kind of putting you on the spot here so we can pause, but do you have any other ideas for who might want to trade a big pick for uh, like a, a bad team who has a big player who might want the number one pick? Any potential trades you see there? I mean, do the Sixers risk it all? Do they trade like Harden? But they're not going to have... Oh, yeah, so, so it's the Lakers. I guess it would have to be a bad team with a good player. Yeah. I mean, that's so hard. Like... At the bottom of the rock, like of the east, is all the teams you would expect. Like maybe the Timberwolves get rid of Cat. I mean, they're sitting 11th in the conference right now. Get rid of Cat, that tanks them even harder. 
Well, I guess they already have Gobert. Dang, the double Frenchies sitting down low. That'd be kind of nasty. But that's the thing is like the team you're trading to has to have a high pick. That's why this Lakers Pelicans thing is so is so weird. Because oh, I guess it's true. They're trading LeBron for their own pick. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't really work in a lot of cases. Yeah, it doesn't. Yeah, I mean, that's got to be a one of a kind situation. There's yeah. no other team where I see that actually working out. So strange. Rob Palinka, a genius. Absolute legend. Okay, any other NBA storylines you want to dive into? Or I know I didn't give you much prep, so. Benedict Mathurin is going to win Rookie of the Year at this point. Oh, yeah, bear down. Very bummed I uh, went with Ivy instead of him in, our, in my keeper league. That's, yeah, Ivy's not bad. I, w- I would have to be an insane person to pick another <laughs> U of A guard. <laughs> hey. To bet on another U of A guard in the league. Lowry Markinen's winning most improved this year. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> where's uh, uh, Alonzo Trier at, bro? Oh, he's probably back in Funky Monk trying to beat up people. <laughs> he's on I'm... the Guangdong Tigers, dude. Dude, him and Jimmer. All right, that's another episode of The Standing Desk. Thank you for listening. Uh, follow us at Standing Desk Pod on Twitter and Instagram for memes and clips and announcements, whatnot. We'll see you next week.